0: Welcome into another episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. I'm Dan Hope, joined by Colin Haas-Hill, as always. Recording once again on a Wednesday morning, so we'll hope that no news breaks right after our recording, like last week. Colin, who's currently on a bad streak of willing things into existence that we don't want to happen, so let's avoid that today, right Colin? Yeah, I, I attempted a reverse jinx last
1: week, and <laughs> wow, I've never had something backfire like that.
0: Yeah, well, we thank everyone who decided to listen anyways, even though we didn't have up-to-the-date analysis on the Chase Young situation, but we'll talk about that today. Chase Young will be back this week for this week's game against Penn State, and that's really what matters, because a much bigger game coming up this week against Penn State. We'll talk for a few minutes about last past week's game against Rutgers, but bluntly, not one of the more interesting games of the season for Ohio State. Buckeyes won by thirty-five, and yet it somehow felt like a disappointment. And I think that says more about how well this team has played than anything else.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because this team has this team has every single week seemed to surpass expectations. And like the the easy simple way is just to look at did they cover the spread or not? Because the spread is almost sort of like the expectation. Um, if 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 you cover it, then 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 it seems like you surpassed it. And up until this past week, they had covered the spread in all but one game, and and the one game that they didn't cover the spread was the season opener. And I remember after that game, I it's not that I had reservations, but I wasn't ready to really go all in on this team. So it did feel a little similar to that. And at the same time, in both games, they just crushed the opponent because it was a team that, honestly, they, the, they, they, they really didn't need that many, uh, they didn't need to play that well to beat. We all know Rutgers, and we all know Florida Atlantic, and those are the two games I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, the reality is that when the spread is set at over 50 points, you're setting up a team to fail in terms of the expectations that are being set in meeting those expectations. When all of us were predicting they're going to win by 70 points, those are really high expectations to set for a team. And They felt realistic because we saw what they did against Maryland the week before. We've seen what they've done in so many games this season. I I think Ohio State was certainly capable of a 70-point win on Saturday. I think we saw that in the first few minutes of a game where they were up 14 to nothing, less than four minutes into the game. So I think there was a bit of a letdown just in terms of the Buckeyes didn't play quite up to their ability, but... But reality is, that was bound to happen at some point, and they still won by 35 points in a game that, no matter how impressively they won on Saturday, it, it wasn't going to do much for the Buckeyes. If they won 70-7 to instead of 56-21, that wasn't going to do much in the eyes of a college football playoff committee. All they really needed to do on Saturday was win the game, and stay healthy and they accomplished both of those things so there's not really any reason to overanalyze it too much beyond that but that's really all that matters yep i agree with that and if
1: you look at it um, when they took the
0: starters out i think it was a 42
1: to 7 lead correct early in the third quarter and if and if you look at the uh, there were there were really two swings to me that prevented the 70 to nothing game that we all anticipated and one was the Garrett Wilson muffed punt and the other was the goal line stand, and and if and if and if either of those go Ohio State's way, I think that maybe you could see something different on the scoreboard. And and to be honest, there's there's just you
0: know, you're not going to worry about this game. I mean, they beat records by 35. <laughs> and you could tell just from Ryan Day's comments after the game. A couple people asked questions in the post game press conference, kind of expecting him to be disappointed or have things to be upset about and it was and I clear he was, I, I, I was, sort
1: of thought that he would too it was,
0: but it was clear he was not concerned and it was yes. clear that he was already thinking about this week's game and and that probably has something to do with it too the coaches talk about we're only focused on this week one week at a time and I'm, and I'm sure that's true for the most part but I, I think we'd be naive to think that last week they were only thinking about Rutgers and not thinking about the fact that they have two really, really big games coming up against Penn State and Michigan. So I don't think we saw Ohio State's best performance on Saturday. I also think when you compare it to the Maryland game the week before, I thought going into those games that Maryland was better than Rutgers, but I also think going into that Maryland game, I think they had a little bit of extra juice, they had a little bit of extra chip on their shoulder because of the fact that the Chase Young situation had happened that week, and I think they really felt like they had something to prove. I think they were playing a little angry, whereas I think this past week's game really was more of, let's just get this one over with and move on to the next game. So they did what they needed to do. They took care of business. It it was not like this game was ever in any doubt. I mean, within a minute of the game starting, Sean Wade tips an interception to himself, and they go right down and, and score a touchdown within the first two minutes of the game. So there was never any doubt about how this game was going to play out. It was clear from the beginning it was lopsided, but give credit to Rutgers. This game could have completely gotten away from them. We saw that happen to Maryland the week before. We've seen it happen to other teams Ohio State has played this year. They continue to compete, and for a team that has really really had a bad year they hung in there and there's even people talking about they might have a shot against a reeling Michigan State team this week we'll see about that but I give them credit because this game could have gotten really really ugly with the way it started and they made some plays as the game progressed they continued to compete they they didn't just fold the way I think Maryland did the week before and so I give them credit for that, for, for hanging in there and giving Ohio State fans things to complain about. I know, a, a rarity this year, huh? It is. And
1: uh, on the on the other side of the ball, um, it was interesting to see Justin Fields thrown downfield a little bit. And um, Kyle Jones, our, our, our film guru, had written about that um, previously. And it does seem against Maryland and Rutgers that they seem to they seem to go downfield a little bit more. And Ryan Day, when you asked him on Tuesday, uh, he sort of I don't know he sort of obfuscated what 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 their what what it seemed like their plan was. And what he said was essentially that they were doing it um, just to just to, just because they sort of knew that if if play if Justin Fields and the receivers had to come out of the game early, they wanted to get their looks in early. Um, I think that. Sort of the, the the opinion that I have of it is that they wanted to get this on. They wanted to get certain things on film ahead of the Penn State uh, Michigan games. I think they wanted to try out certain plays a, l- a little bit more, and and that led to ha- to Justin Fields having his first 300 yard passing game, and and a game in which he had a season low 19 pass attempts.
0: Yeah, I think there's some truth in Ryan Day's answer, and and some that's probably not true. I think he probably did want to get those guys some more passes knowing that they were going to run the ball a lot in the second half. I mean, he even mentioned after the game that he thought Justin Fields would be the front runner for the Heisman if he was playing four games. So I think there might have been a more conscious effort this past week than there had been in previous weeks to get Justin some numbers to to get him that first three hundred yard game. I think that might have been something, knowing that they were going to win comfortably against Rutgers, that they wanted to do, but I also agree. I think more importantly, they wanted to sharpen up their passing game. They wanted to be prepared for this home stretch of a season because I think they know, and we're gonna talk about Penn State soon, and about how their pass defense has struggled, but their run defense has been really good, that Down the stretch of a season, they need their passing game to be sharp. So I think there was a conscious effort these past couple weeks, and Ryan Day said that's something they were working on during their second bye week, that they do want to throw the ball more downfield. They, They want to make sure that they're able to make those big plays downfield in these late season games where they might really need that to be able to win games. So we're seeing that a lot, Justin Fields. Another fantastic performance for him at, at Rutgers. Like you said, 19 attempts, completed 15 of them, had four touchdowns. So he he's really playing well. They're going to need him to play well this next week against Penn State. And I think because of the way that matchup is with how good Penn State's run defense has been and how shaky their pass defense has been the last couple of weeks, I think he could be in for another really big game. And I think Rutgers was a good opportunity for him to that up and try to be as sharp as he possibly can for this week's game.
1: It was, and it sort of, sort of gives another lens of, of what to expect from the receivers. And, and to be honest, that is um, that really any of them can, can catch balls on a given on a given day. They they've said throughout the year that there is no real number one receiver, and that that really has um, sort of been the case. That said, it does feel like Chris Olave is their guy if they need to play. He's the guy who can go downfield. If you look at just each of their receivers uh, who, who who play often, it's KJ Hill, it's Austin Mack, it's Ben Victor, um, it's uh, Garrett Wilson, and and then Chris Olave. And if you look at them, I, I really do think Chris Olave is both the fastest receiver, and he is he he along with Garrett Wilson, I think are are two of the two of the best uh, with their ball skills, and Ben Victor, I guess I would throw in there as well. Of course, since he's like 6'4". Um, at the same time, even even Justin Fields said it on Tuesday that he's the kind of guy who can go downfield and catch a pass. Um, that I'm not really sure that they really have um, throughout throughout the offense in a way that they did last year when they had Terry McLaurin. Um, Paris Campbell could go for 80, even even though a lot of them were just short, like five yard dump offs, and he'd run the rest. Um, and, and Johnny Dixon. They just don't have that as much this year. So I think that's where uh, Chris Olave comes in and ahead of the Penn State game where I think that everyone has sort of looked at their secondary and wondered whether that's something that Ohio State can really take advantage of. I think he's someone who could be in store for a, for a similar uh, late game uh, or, or late season stretch where, where he really impresses like last year when he broke out. But I think it, it could come in a different way where it's not just... Uh, Two, two catches with a punt block. I think he could be a, a, a really big factor in this offense going going forward in the next three games.
0: Yeah, they they have a lot of weapons, and we saw that this past week. Benjamin Victor had two touchdowns. K.J. Hill had a touchdown, and, and he had a big game. I think those three are really, are really the key guys down the stretch. Austin Mack's been hurt. I just don't know what you can expect from him at this point. To me... I think even if Mac is back this week, I think Olave needs to be in the starting lineup and he needs to play more because I think he's established himself as not only their best receiver, but one of the best players on the entire team. So I think those three are really your key guys. Garrett Wilson's been very hit or miss. I thought he did not have a good game against Rutgers, dropped some passes, obviously had the muff punt. I, I think he's got some big playability and I think we'll see him make a big play at some point down the stretch, but I don't think he's a guy that you can necessarily trust right now that if the game's on the line in the fourth quarter to have him out there. I think if the game's on the line, y- your free receivers are probably going to be Chris Olave, Benjamin Victor, and K.J. Hill because I think those those are the guys who have been your best playmakers all year. Victor's a guy who you know we've talked about. He's always been kind of hit or miss, but when he's on... He he can really make plays. We saw that last year against Penn State, and KJ, of course, he has been Mr. Reliable for a long time. He's a guy who's closing in on Ohio State's career receptions record. He's always going to have a big role. Whatever guy who we thought was going to play a role this year, and it really hasn't happened. But had a had a really nice play against Rutgers on Saturday was Jalen Gill, and he. Caught a screen pass from Chris Chuganov in the second half, exploded up the field, made a couple guys miss, spun through a guy, carried a guy into the end zone for a 32-yard catch and run touchdown, first touchdown of his career. That's what we've been expecting to see from Jalen Gill for two years. That was the first time we finally saw it. The question is, is he a guy that can make an impact for this offense going down the stretch?
1: I think he can make an impact for the offense next year when KJ has gone, but but no, I think at this point everything's everything's pretty much set. I think that if there's someone who hasn't played much that could make an impact, it's Austin Matt coming back from an injury. Um, I would be very surprised if if Gil could uh, get in get in any sort of rotation down the stretch. I mean that was a that was one of the better plays. I think any any wide receiver or running back has really made this entire year. I mean, he made like four or five guys miss. Yet at the same time, it was, I believe, Rutgers backups. And you just have to take that into account. And this, the, the, it was in the 10th game of the year. He just hasn't really gotten much run up until this point. Um, that was impressive. I look forward to seeing what he can do next year. But but I would be very surprised if, if he had a significant
0: role going forward down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's most likely true, I think. It's, it's a good sign to see from him, and I think based on Ryan Day's post-game comments after a game, you get the impression that Jalen Gill is someone who probably needed to practice harder than he was, who probably wasn't doing all the little things that the coaches wanted to see from him and based on what Ryan Day said after the game, he said he had one of his best week of practices, that maybe those things are finally starting to click for Jalen Gill, and like you said, I think next year with K.J. Hill being gone, there's going to be a big opening in that slot receiver role. There's really not a a clear-cut person who's going to fill into that role. They've got a ton of guys on the outside, but that slot receiver role looks like it could be wide open going into next year. I think Jalen Gill is the guy who they'd really like to see step up and be able to take on that role next season, but I think a lot of that's going to depend on whether he can show consistency in practice and whether he's somebody that they trust, so I agree, I don't I don't think that there's going to be a big role for him down the stretch of a season, maybe they mix him in there for a few snaps just to, to try to give KJ a rest once in a while, but I think you're right, I think next year is when we could really look for something from him, but it's still we had not seen anything from Jalen Gill going into that game. I, I really wasn't sure at all about what his future prognosis as an Ohio State player would be. So just to see him make that play, I I think is, is a good sign that maybe, you know, it's it's not too late for him that he could still come along and, and have an impact for the team in twenty twenty. Looking at the defense quickly, they gave up 21 points. The most Rutgers has scored in any Big Ten game this year. So that's probably not what they wanted. But you mentioned it before. Garrett Wilson had the muff punt. That gave Rutgers the ball deep in Ohio State territory. They scored a touchdown off that. That was the only touchdown that came against the starters the other 14 points came against the Buckeyes backups in the second half so probably nothing to be too concerned about in terms of the defense defense still hasn't given up more than 21 points all year so I, I think the thing that's just weird is looking at their season and saying the free the games in which Ohio State has given up the most points this year have been against Rutgers Florida, Atlantic, and Maryland. And they haven't played any great offenses, so I think you go into a game like this week against Penn State that poses a tougher test. maybe it shows a few vulnerabilities. One, I think, being the quarterback run is an area they've looked a little bit vulnerable against, and Kyle Jones wrote about that this week. Certainly worth taking a look at his film study on 11warriors.com and how he thinks... That might be something that teams will look to expose going forward, but I think overall, just in terms of a Rutgers game, not too much to worry about there in terms of the defense taking a step back or anything like that. 100%.
1: I'm not. I mean, I don't. I don't leave. I didn't leave Piscataway, New Jersey, thinking, "Wow, just wait till Penn State gets a hold of this Ohio State defense." And nor was I thinking, wow, there are like three or four things that I'm seeing that that, that maybe a better team could take advantage of. I, I really just am not at this point. I think this defense has played well the entire season. I think getting Chase Young back and, and possibly getting uh, Baron Browning and, and possibly Jordan, Jonathan Cooper back would, would be helpful as well. I mean... I've said it all year. I think that the thing about this defense is I think it's run defense travels. I think this run defense can, can really play against anybody. Uh, the quarterback run defense might be a little bit uh, more of a challenge as we've seen uh, against Rutgers. But at the same time, if, if, if I think that about the run defense and then I look at the secondary and I see uh, multiple first round picks, plus uh, you have Jordan Fuller back there and, and Damon Arnett, I, I, I have no, I have no concerns about this. This Ohio State defense going into its biggest three game stretch of the year.
0: Yeah, you you talk about Chase Young being back, and I think last week against Maryland, it, it really didn't seem to affect them at all. They still had seven sacks, and I think you, you you maybe start to take that for granted that losing a player as great as Chase Young is not going to have a big impact but it does have a big impact Jeff Halfley was talking a little bit yesterday about some of the different things that they were seeing from opponents without Chase Young some deeper developing routes some getting running backs and tight ends out of out of the backfield and and running routes because they don't they didn't feel as though they needed to put quite as much of an emphasis on pass protection uh without Chase Young didn't work for Maryland but certainly going forward to a game like this against Penn State with all the weapons that Penn State has, a really good tight end in Pat Friermuth, some really good receivers in K.J. Hamler and Jahan Dotson, maybe the best quarterback Ohio State has faced all year in Sean Clifford. Having Chase Young back and how explosive he is and and how much he can just change an entire offensive game plan because of how quickly he can bring pressure and because of how much you have to focus on blocking him specifically can make a huge difference. We saw it last year at Penn State, what kind of difference he can make. He made the game-winning stop on fourth down. It's huge that he's going to be back for the Buckeyes this week, and certainly... The resolution that everyone wanted, not that they wanted him to miss two games, but certainly this is what everyone hoped for in terms of having Chase Young back for the most important game of a season to date.
1: Yeah, and Chase Young, he's just in a little bit of an interesting situation because if you remember last year against Penn State, that just felt like his coming out party. Uh, He had two sacks in that game. He had that tackle for loss to, to end it. He he also had those two past deflections I remember. Um, it just felt like he just he put himself on the national stage and it's all of a sudden he became instead of this five star prospect who has all his potential he became sort of this star defensive end and since then he's really lived up to it and he's only gotten better and he got better he got so much better in the off season which was um, I think unprecedented to us uh, just how good he would get and then and then he goes through he has at least a half a sack in, in each of the first eight games this year and he has a suspension and then all of a sudden against Penn State it'll it'll almost be his comeback party and at the same time it'll it'll be his going away party too because this is this is this will be his last game at Ohio Stadium we all know he's going pro even though he hasn't said it yet uh, he'll be a top 5 pick in the spring and, and you got all these things working um I just think it's. I just think it's uh, fitting that that it was sort of his, sort of the the Penn State game last year, set him on the national stage, and this this one he'll, he'll get right back up there, and it's also his last one,
0: uh, in the shoe. Talked about him missing two games, but he's still second in the entire country with thirteen and a half sacks, just a half sack back of Hamical Rashad, the linebacker for Oregon State. I was shocked that he was God. not first, by the way. I would I would bet money on Chase Young will break Ohio State single season sack record this weekend. <laughs> yes. So so Because I. he only needs one. He only needs one to break Vernon Golston's sack record. I think there's a very good chance that will happen this weekend. And you look at a team still having as many as five games left potentially A 20-sack season is still in reach for Chase Young here. We're, We're really talking about Chase Young missing two halves of football because that's all he would have played against Maryland and Rutgers. He would not have played a single snap in the second half of those games. So we're really talking about him missing four quarters of football and still plenty of time for him to put together one of the greatest seasons in Ohio State history.
1: Yep. It'll happen. He'll he'll put himself in the record book, and you'll wonder maybe what uh, the two or three sacks um, that he could have gotten against Rutgers and Maryland would look at the end of the year on that stat line. But hey, it's it's going to look all right. Uh, that's my take.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be defined by what he does down the stretch. People aren't going to remember what he did against Maryland or Rutgers. They remember what he did against Wisconsin because that was a big game. But ultimately, you get remembered for the things that you do in big games, and. There's a couple really big ones coming up and let's just let's go right into talking now about Penn State and we'll talk a little bit about the college football playoff rankings later too but not a lot of changes in those this week but a huge game in terms of the college football playoff this week. Enormous implications in this one. Number two Ohio State versus number eight Penn State. Both these teams are still in the playoff race. If if Penn State beats Ohio State Penn State is still very much in the playoff race and could knock Ohio State out because Ohio State, if Ohio State loses this game, unless Penn State loses to Rutgers, which I do not think is going to happen, Ohio State will not play in the Big Ten Championship game. So this, we've talked about it. Obviously, in terms of rivalry, in terms of prestige, nothing tops the game against Michigan next week. But... The most important game of the season in terms of making the college football playoff—it's this one right here.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because Ryan Day obviously would never ever want to lose to Michigan. Nobody at Ohio State ever does, and at the same time, if you lose to Penn State and beat Michigan, you're probably you're just in it. You're in a spot where you really don't know whether you make a playoff. I think that'd be a really difficult spot for them. Yet if they beat Penn State, then all of a sudden the Michigan game, honestly, if, if they lost it, it'd be okay, provided they won the Big Ten title. Um, this, this, is, this is really what it all comes down to, and, and Ryan Day called, called Penn State a, a talent-equated game, and as I wrote about yesterday on Tuesday, it's, it's not really equated if you look at it. Um, if you look at it position by position, it's not. If you look at Ohio State's quarterback, who was once a Penn State commit, uh, yeah, quarterback is, quarterback talent definitely isn't equated. John Clifford's played pretty well this year, but he, is, he has not played like Justin Fields. If you look at the recruiting rankings in the past five years, uh, Penn State is only ranked higher than, than Ohio State in the 2019 class, and even in that one, Ohio State had a better average player rating. So, so the, the thing about this game is it's not really a talent-equated game, but, but it's as close to a talent-equated game as Ohio State will get in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I think it's more talent-adjacent than it is talent-equated because the reality is there aren't many teams that are talent-equated with Ohio State. We're talking about LSU and Clemson and Alabama and Georgia, the teams they might face in a college football playoff. Until they get to that point, they're not going to play a talent-equated game. The closest thing are going to be these next two games against Penn State and Michigan, which means it is a step up, and, and I think that's what ryan day really wants his team to understand and why he's he's calling it a talent equated game and preaching that talent is equated to his players is that this is a better team than ohio state has faced all year i i I don't think i don't think that's a stretch in in any stretch i think you look at who ohio state has has played i'm not going to say they played a weak schedule but they still haven't played anybody that's it's on their level. The best teams they've played are Wisconsin and Indiana and and Cincinnati. Those are fine teams, but they're not close to being on the same level as Ohio State. So, this is a better team. Do I think they're as good as Ohio State? No. Do I think Ohio State should win? Yes. But I I do think that this is a step up in competition it does feel like we've said five times this year that this is going to be the biggest test of the year, but I think this one really is. I, I think, I think this is a team that we've seen it in recent history. It rarely comes easy against Penn State. They have an explosive offense. They've got a lot of playmakers on offense, as mentioned before. Their run defense currently leads the country with only 2.9 yards allowed per carry. Their big weakness is their pass defense, and I think that's probably the area where Ohio State's going to have the biggest advantage with Justin Fields. But this is not a game where Ohio State can afford to be anything but sharp. Ohio State needs to come in playing its best football. They certainly can't be looking ahead to the Michigan game, and I don't think they will be because this is such a big game. But... This is one of those games where I think there's, there's still enough unknowns where do I think Ohio State could win this game by 21, 24 points? It wouldn't shock me on paper, but there's still enough unknowns about Ohio State playing top teams that if this ends up being a much closer game or Penn State even pushing for an upset, that wouldn't shock me either.
1: No, definitely not. I, like you said, if you just look at the talent that Ohio State has faced, Wisconsin's a really good team. They're a really well put together team, and the same thing with Cincinnati and Indiana. But Ohio State is a bunch of five stars and high end four stars littering their roster. Really, just in the Big Ten, there just aren't another team. There, there, there just isn't another team that has that. Um, Michigan is recruited pretty well, and, and Penn State is recruited even better, and that's why. That's why when we talk about straight up talent. Just talent down the roster. It's Penn State uh, they're, they're really number two in the big ten when it comes to talent and and that's what I think that's what we're all looking for. Um, like you said the, the fields thing is, is it's interesting this week. I think it's something that we've all been looking looking forward to a little bit is, is him against Penn State and you wonder just the program trajectory of Penn State what they could be like right now if they had a Justin Fields in there at quarterback and instead you know I don't think Ohio State is really mad about uh, how this one has played out huh
0: no no I don't think so I think they're very glad they're not playing against Justin Fields on Saturday I think they're glad that Justin Fields is going to be wearing the scarlet and gray on Saturday and yeah it's 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 one of those things it, it you see it a lot in in recruiting you can look at it on both sides you can look at Penn State's best defensive player is Micah Parsons, a guy who was heavily recruited by Ohio State, and and he could be playing for the Buckeyes right now. So it goes both ways. These are two teams that regularly recruit against each other, so it's not a surprise that you have players on both sides that were recruited by the other teams. Of course, coming in next year to Ohio State, just Julian Fleming, a player who was very heavily recruited by Penn State, and that they certainly didn't want to lose, given that he is from Central Pennsylvania, so these are two teams that are always recruiting against each other, it it makes it that much more interesting of a game, but you're right when you say, when you look at the recruiting rankings, Ohio State does have more talent than Penn State. It It's fair to say this is the most talented team that Ohio State's faced all year, but there is still a gap there. That's why Ohio State's being favored to win by 18, 18 and a half points. That's what the lines were looking like on Wednesday morning. One potential variable in this game, weather. There's, it's been forecasted, maybe rain, maybe even snow on Saturday. Looking at the forecast, this morning doesn't look quite as bad as it looked a couple days ago. I think sometimes people make a little too big a deal about the sometimes going into these games because both teams have to play in it. But probably better for Ohio State if the not bad because a running game probably would help Penn State just because of the way their pass defense has struggled and their run defense has thrived. I think Penn State needs to make plays through as well to win this game because Ohio State's run defense... Has also been really good, and Penn State's rushing offense isn't a world beater. So, I think both teams are going to need to make plays through the air to win this game. So, I don't know that I see the weather having a huge effect on this game either way. But you're probably hoping it doesn't snow if you're Ryan Day. Yeah, probably. Like you said, I I, I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal either
1: way. I think <laughs> Ohio State would rather just play. A noon game on Saturday where it's just sunny and it's just straight up that Ohio State versus Penn State. There's no other factors because I think the Buckeyes should be pretty confident uh, in that. If there's any factors, I think even uh, even playing a night game, playing getting them out of their comfort zone a little bit because they played so many noon games. I think that would have a little bit of difference. This is this is just straight up Ohio State versus Penn State. Um, they would like it clear, I'm sure, but at the end of the day, this Ohio State's much more talented. Um, you talk about whether it would help Penn State and and that's because um, you look at you look at Penn State's run defense versus his Pats defense and, and it's something that you would ask Ryan Day yesterday about um, about Justin Fields and and, and possibly looking forward uh, him throwing against uh, Rutgers and Maryland a little bit more because he he was looking forward to this Penn State game and and whether he would have to throw more and he had his first 300 yard game yesterday and and weren't, I think that you'd written it written it down. Were, were we asked about um, Justin throwing for a three hundred fifty yard game at one point?
0: We were a few weeks ago. Somebody asked if we thought Justin Fields would throw for more than three hundred fifty yards, and I think at the time we were both we both thought probably wouldn't happen because he hadn't come close to it at the time, and the offense has been so balanced all year of it that, that probably wasn't something they wanted, but I'm gonna change my pick on that. My my prediction, bold prediction for this week, is Justin Fields is going to throw for more than 350 yards because I think he will play all four quarters in his game. I think Ohio State is going to look to attack to the air early and often. And I, I think they might need him to do that to win to win this game. I think just looking at the matchup against Penn State they've given up more than 300 yards in each of their past two games to Minnesota and Indiana and i think if if you know Tanner Morgan's played well for Minnesota, Peyton Ramsey's played well for Indiana, but i think if those guys can do it, i think Justin Fields can certainly do it too. So i think i think we could see Justin Fields' biggest game of the year. I I think we could see the type of game from Justin Fields where he He makes it a conversation for the Heisman Trophy. Obviously, Joe Burrow's got a huge lead in that race at this point, but I think I could see Justin Fields having the type of game this weekend that gets him back in that conversation and at least gives voters something to think about, and I think the Buckeyes might need that kind of game from him this week because I do think this is going to be a tougher test yeah the other aspect of Justin that we just haven't seen that much in the
1: past two weeks and I think it's probably by design is the quarterback run game. he had three rushes for 30 yards against Rutgers and five rushes for 28 yards with the touchdown against Maryland and that's I think the stats are partially due a little bit that the decrease in runs are, is partially due to the fact that uh, he just hasn't been pressured that much and they have he hasn't uh, he hasn't needed to take off or or. He hasn't taken any sacks the past two weeks. Um, I think that Penn State, the uh, I think that it'll get it'll I mean it'll definitely be able to get more pressure in the last two weeks. But but every single other team this year has gotten to sack against Ohio State. I'd be I'd be surprised if that didn't happen uh, again on Saturday. And it's just this is this is this is the Justin Fields that I really enjoy watching. I think it's the most entertaining Justin Fields is when he's pressured and when he sort of gets out of the pocket and. He looks to throw when he runs, which I think will help his passing numbers. But at the same time, when he goes on the ground, when he uses that 4-4 speed and he has that running back lower body uh, strength, he is super dangerous. I wouldn't be surprised in the other way if he has 15 rushes for 80 yards, something like that. Like, I think that's totally in play.
0: We haven't seen Ohio State have to play in the fourth quarter with a game on the line yet this year is that something that should be concerning at all? Just that we haven't seen them have to do it as they get into this stretch of a season where there's a much greater chance they're going to have to do it? So I... I don't think that "concerning" would be the right word because there's nothing
1: really that I've seen about Ohio State in the first half or even the third quarter that would that would make me think that in a longer game it would be trouble. And In fact, in the third quarter they played pretty well when the starters have been in. Um, at the same time, like you have to say that we haven't seen it, so I don't. Like I said, I don't think "concerning" is the right word, but but there, there there's I think there's a little bit of intrigue of what it would look like.
0: Um, but but no, I. I'm not I don't think that there should be worry to you. No, not really. I think I think the whole question is it's not a, it's not a matter of stamina or anything like that. I I don't think that's any concern. Mickey Maradi always has his guys well conditioned. It it has nothing to do with stamina or getting tired or not having enough depth for any of that. It's just a question of mentality in terms of we haven't seen this team with their backs against the wall yet. So we haven't seen how they respond to that kind of pressure. And and furthermore, we haven't seen Ryan Day in that situation yet because he's coached 13 games now, including his, his stint as acting head coach last year, and there still hasn't been a close game. So we haven't seen this coaching staff, this team, in a situation where they have to make those crucial decisions with the game on the line in the fourth quarter. So, I think it's going to happen at some point. I don't necessarily know what it's going to happen this week because as well as Penn State has played against Ohio State the last few years, I do think this Ohio State team is better, and I I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a, a free score game like the spread is projecting, but I just think it's, it is one of those things that until we see it, it's going to be a bit of an unknown, and we can't just assume that they're going to look great with a game on the line until we actually see them in that situation. So I wouldn't. I, I agree, I wouldn't say it's necessarily concerning, but I, I do think it's an unknown that still lingers a little bit about this team.
1: Yep, I agree. It's, we're in the 11th, they're about to play the 11th game of the season, and we're still in the wait-and-see mode for sort of a a lot more things than at this point we have ever really been. Like, one of the things that I'm sort of in wait-and-see mode, I I would be interested to see fourth quarter, like, what what adjustments do the coaches make under pressure? When the game is tight, what what are they doing? How do they, how do they how do they adjust to what the what the opposing coaches are doing? We just really haven't seen that, and it, and it was reminded to me on Tuesday when Jeff Hafley was asked once again about, about the defensive improvements, and he went back. He said it, it's not it's not a ton about schematics. The one thing is, is fundamentals. When they, he said that Ohio State's the be- arguably the best tackling team in the country, and I think that is true. They played a pretty vanilla defense thus far. And I wonder if, if Penn State can really somehow, some way, uh, get something going against them in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, if it's a one-score game, what are they dialing up? Can, can, they, can they figure it out? We legitimately have not seen anything that should concern you, and we also haven't seen anything that should say that, oh, they, have, they there's no doubt about it, they've got it under control, because we just haven't seen anything. We haven't seen a close game yet. They haven't played a game that, that ends with uh, with Ohio State leading
0: by any fewer than 24 points. The one thing we know about this game is it's not over until it's over. Because remember 2016 when Ohio State had a 21-7 lead entering the fourth quarter, Penn State scores 17 points. And then the last two years, we saw Ohio State flip the script down by multiple scores in the fourth quarter, In 2017, JT Barrett has a perfect fourth quarter, leads the Buckeyes back to the 39-38 victory. And then last year, down by 12 points with eight minutes to go, we see Dwayne Haskins do the same thing, lead the Buckeyes to a fourth quarter comeback victory at Penn State. So this is one of those games we've only seen the starters play the full 60 minutes once this year. I'd be surprised if that doesn't happen on Saturday. I think they'd have to be up by... A lot for the starters to come out of a game because they know from history that this is one of those games that can flip quickly. So I think we will see a full 60 minutes from the starters. It, it, it I don't necessarily know that it's going to come down quite to the wire of it. The last few games had. I think if Ohio State plays up to its ability, it shouldn't come down to the wire. The last few games have but I do think we'll probably see them play a full four quarters and I would predict that this will be the closest game of the year for Ohio State. The thing is they've won all their games by 24, so that's not really a bold prediction. There's a, this game can be the closest game of the year without necessarily being close and that's kind of a way I see it playing out. Yeah,
1: I agree. Let, let me just throw you a hypothetical. Um, Say this game is a is a three point game with four minutes to go. Like, how has Penn State gotten to that point? What do you what do you think in your mind? Will they have been able to take advantage of enough to, to, to make it a really close game at the end? Because uh, like I'm really not seeing a scenario in which Penn State just comes in and wins by three touchdowns. Like that scenario in my brain really does not exist. But I, but I could see I could see um, I, I, I'm going to pick Ohio State to win by a couple touchdowns probably. But I but I could see a scenario in which there's a three point game with, with four minutes to go or something. How in your mind do you think that, that that the New Lions would get to that point?
0: Yeah, I think there'd have to be some some big plays, some game changing plays for for Penn State to get to that point, whether that be a a turnover, a defensive touchdown, a special teams turnover, a a blocked punt, or a, a return touchdown, or or just a couple big passing plays, which we've seen Penn State make it times this year i don't i don't think penn state is going to simply be able to control the field position battle and just win that way i think penn state is going to have to make those kind of game-changing plays we saw it the the one time a game actually got close in a second half this year was against wisconsin and that happened because drew chrisman had a punt blocked and then Wisconsin scores a touchdown right after that, cut Ohio State's lead to 10-7. I think that's the kind of play Penn State's going to have to make. We saw it in 2016 when Penn State beat Ohio State. That was the kind of play they made, blocking a field goal, returning it for a touchdown. So I don't think Penn State wins this game without at least one or two game-changing kind of plays, plays that have a one- or two-score swing in Penn State's favor because I do think offense versus defense, defense versus offense, I think Ohio State should have the advantage in both areas. It, it's going to require Penn State forcing Ohio State to make mistakes that they haven't made all year for them to get the game to that point.
1: Yep, I agree, and, and I think that their defense will somehow have to shut down Ohio State's run game enough that that Ohio State has to survive maybe a little bit more through the air than they, than they would prefer, even though Penn State's pass defense obviously isn't isn't great, um, and that just hasn't happened yet. There hasn't really been a team to just totally shut down J.K. Dobbins and this offensive front, um, and and at the same time, you look at Penn State's defense. This is the third time this year where you've you've looked at a def, at a run defense that's been really really stout thus far. And the other two times against Penn, against uh, Michigan State and Wisconsin, the Buckeyes sort of thrived on the ground um, in those games, and and when when they were able to do that, they were all of a sudden able to pair that with the passing game and just move down the field sort of at will at times, and and that is really what Penn State can't have happen. They're they're really going to have to shut down J.K. Dobbins and and the offensive line. And to be honest, I. I the reason why I, I'm I'm not going to pick this to really be um, a really tight game because I don't really see that happening. I see Ohio State being able to score on this defense, and, and I know Penn State's Penn State's front seven has been really solid against the run, but but this this running game for Ohio State really hasn't been stopped yet. And I think that the way J.K. Dobbins is running and the way these these five offensive linemen are blocking, I'm just and, and the tight ends you, you got to throw them into the mix just with their importance this year. Um, I understand the the, the statistical uh, difference that, that that Penn State has made against the run this year, but 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 I'm but I but I enter the, I, I'm going to enter Saturday with a lot of confidence in Ohio State's
0: run game. Yeah, I agree with you on that. You look at the numbers: Ohio State fourth in the nation in rushing yards per game, fourth in the nation in rushing yards per carry, has had at least 200 rushing yards in every game this year, and like you said, it's not even just this year, but just in in recent years in general, it feels like every time we talk about a game about Ohio State's going up against the number one rushing defense, it seems like they always have a big game on the ground whenever that gets hyped up, so I won't be surprised at all if J.K. Dobbins has a big game on on Saturday. I do think they're going to pass the ball a little more than we saw in some of those games earlier in the year, but no, I won't be surprised at all if they have a big day on the ground, too, because They've shown they can do it all year, and I don't think Penn as good as Penn State's run defense has been. I don't think Penn State has faced a rushing offense like the one they're going to face this weekend. So that makes a huge difference too. Yep,
1: and on the other side of ball, I might as well just mention KJ Hamler because um, last year he obviously beat Sean Wade, and I don't remember how long that play was, but what I believe is yards. that yeah, well. That just confirms that I was going to say. I believe it was longer than any play Ohio State has given up this year, and now I am a hundred percent certain that that is longer than Ohio, than any play Ohio State has given up this year. Um, like they're going to need one or two of those plays,
0: and and the Buckeyes just haven't given that up this year. Not a whole lot to look at with the college football playoff rankings this week. No changes in the top seven of this week's rankings. Certainly, this week's game going to have big implications most important thing for the Buckeyes just win this week if they if they win this week they're gonna be in a really good spot they will clinch their spot in the big 10 championship game and if they win I think I think there will be a conversation again about whether they belong in that number one spot LSU has been ahead of them the last two weeks Right now, LSU has three top 20 wins. Ohio State has two. This would give Ohio State a third. It wouldn't tip the scales of strength of schedule in their favor, per se, because LSU has Alabama, Florida, and Auburn. Ohio State would have Penn State, Wisconsin, Cincinnati. LSU is still going to win out in that regard. But when you combine it with how dominant the Buckeyes have been this year, especially if they can win impressively like we think they have a chance to do on Saturday, I think they would have a case for number one once again. And I think as as well as Clemson's playing in that number three spot looking stronger and stronger by the week, I think there's definitely a real advantage in being number one in the playoff rankings right now.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's a, yes, (laughs) definitely. If I was Ohio State, there'd be one team that I wouldn't want to play right now um, specifically, and that would if I were to choose, I would be Clemson. Um, Same. That's, that 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 difference between one and two, I think is really huge. The way I look at it, I, I don't I think that if they beat Penn State, I don't think that they would move up right away. I think if they beat uh, Penn State and then Michigan, I think I would pick them to move up and then it's uh, to to one and then it, and then it's a conversation of whether uh, a, a win against either Minnesota or Wisconsin would be able to keep them there. Um, considering that LSU would face Georgia, and that's something that we don't totally know right now because it's honest it, If they beat Penn State by forty and then they beat Michigan by fifty, I think that they would stick right there. But it's it, it's it's a matter of how these games play out because as we've seen, I think Ohio State was one in, in the initial college football playoff rankings, is they've been beaten up on everybody. And if they continue that against Penn State and Michigan, I think that they'll. I think that they would be number one. Um, but if they are both maybe one point wins, I, I think
0: that I think that LSU would have a stronger case for one. Assuming for a moment that LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson all went out, who would you pick right now to be the number four team? Hmm. I'll start. I I think right now. I think my, my guess would be the winner of the Oregon-Utah game, assuming both of those teams win out until the Pac-12 championship game. Because right now, they're 6-7. and seven. I think that would be a big game that could propel either one of them up into that fourth spot in the Pac-12 championship game. This would assume that Georgia loses to LSU, so they would be out. I, I don't think you can put Alabama in with 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 one. Now it doesn't mean they won't because we've seen Alabama get more benefit from a doubt from a committee than any other team in the playoff era. But without Tua Tagovailoa, without an SEC championship, I, I think unless I think I, I think Alabama is going to need to beat Auburn the way Ohio State beat Wisconsin in 2014 to to really have a case to be in the playoff. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, so I think it most likely comes down to Oregon or Utah as a one-loss Pac-12 champion or Oklahoma wins out as a one-loss Big 12 champion. But right now, both Oregon and Utah are ahead of Oklahoma and they've got that game against each other, most likely in a Pac-12 championship game. So my prediction right now would be either Oregon or Utah.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would pick Oregon um, among those two, too. I think Oregon would probably be my pick. It would be a little interesting if, if Ohio State were to be the number one team and then play Oregon because uh, they they have Oregon in their non-conference schedule each of the next two years, so it would be a little bit of an interesting preamble there. And it And it might actually... Uh, be make those games a little... I don't know. Would that be more or less interesting,
0: actually? To be a playoff well, rematch. They're going to be different games because Justin Herbert's they will, not going to yeah. be back for Oregon next year, so it's going to be different games. I can't really say that I'm thinking about next year right now, to be completely <laughs> honest Sophia. because there's a lot left in this season uh, that I think deserves our focus right now. So I think we'll have plenty of time from January to august to talk about next year's game against oregon but that is an interesting point that i hadn't thought of that they could potentially in that scenario play oregon for years in a row
1: yeah i can guarantee that's never happened in
0: ohio state history and we saw last time ohio state played oregon in the playoff things went pretty well for ohio state i think that would be a favorable matchup For the Buckeyes, I I don't think either Oregon or Utah would match up well on paper with the Buckeyes. The the question is, if Ohio State was the number one seed, does Ohio State end up in Atlanta or Arizona, especially if Ohio State is playing a Pac-12 team? I think they still end up in Arizona because, quite frankly, money talks. And if LSU and Clemson are the two and three seed, they're going to be in Atlanta. They're going to be in Atlanta. They're, they're not going to put LSU and Clemson in Arizona. That would be bad business. So I think they would put Ohio State in Arizona, where Ohio State has a lot of fans. Some people might say that gives Oregon the advantage, but Oregon's not that close to Arizona. And truly, I think Ohio State would still have more fans at that game. Yeah, and there's also a comfortability factor
1: um, with the with the Fiesta Bowl and that they were there for the 2015 season, and they, they were there for the for the 2016 season too, um, and I think that I think that 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 matters. Even though uh, Ryan Day wasn't there for either of those, they might have wished that he was there for the 2016 game, uh, but he wasn't.
0: I know that we wouldn't mind a trip to Arizona ourselves. I wouldn't hate it, you know. Just gotta say that <laughs> it's always a nice place to go in late December early January to get a break from the cold here in Columbus we want to get to your questions here in a few minutes but let's talk real quick about Ohio State basketball because these Buckeyes are looking pretty good they're 4-0 and right now we're not going to talk about the game against Stetson on Monday because there's no reason to but last week's game 76 to 51 win over Villanova, a team that was ranked in the top 10. Ohio State in turn now ranked in the top 10. How good is this team, Colin? You know, I I will say I never thought that on our podcast
1: we'd be uh just days away from the Penn State game and we'd even mention basketball, but but they are worthy of mentioning at this point um because they they're they're pretty interesting. Um and in that you look down their roster um I think there's a lot of depth at the, at the moment right now. I think that there's, I think you've seen some advancements in some of their role players and and just how they've played this year. Um, DJ Carden has, has looked pretty special early on, even the, um even though he still isn't starting right now. Uh, Caleb has shown sort of an ability to to play in a different way than he did last year. Kyle Young has looked super impressive. I think Dwayne Washington and, and Luther Muhammad have been more efficient. I think there's just a lot to like about about this team and, and sort
0: of how they're all all their roles fit together. Do you think this is a team, the way they're playing right now, it's obviously extremely early. They're not going to play another competitive game until they go to Chapel Hill on December 4, but does this team look like a Final Four capable team? It's a
1: ridiculous question because this is uh this is Chris Holtman's third year and the youngest team that he's ever coached and, and I think going into the year I was looking at possibly next year as being the, the team that, that might have a chance to go deep. Um I'm not gonna say no, but it's it's way too early to say that for sure. I think that there are signs that that this team could have a pretty special year if things come together there's a long way for for sort of for some of the pieces to go like I'm going to be interested to see if Kyle Young can keep this up because he's been playing at a super efficient pace yet Chris Holtman had said the other day that as last season dragged on uh, his body sort of wore down I'd be interested to see him I want to see if Caleb can continue to to figure out a way um, to to have this offense and defense sort of go around him in a way that's more efficient than it was last year. He's looked really good up to this point, but he's going to score more uh, eventually, pretty soon. Um, uh, DJ Carton, although he's shown sign, he's shown flashes of being of being brilliant at the moment, um, I want to see how good he can be in, in February, March, um, because I think he could be really special. Um, but it's at the very beginning. I think that. It's it's hard to know exactly what this team's ceiling is, just because there's there's a good amount of new faces on it. Um, we've only we've only seen four games of them thus far, but but I mean number ten right now, I think I think I I think it's a re- I think it's a reasonable place to put this team. It looks really really strong in that Villanova game. I mean they
0: they couldn't have beat they couldn't have made a bigger statement than that. We'll have a lot of time to talk about basketball after football season if. The team keeps playing this well. I think we probably will be talking about them a lot in January and February and March, but big football game coming up this week. We want to get to your questions before we run out of time here, so let's move on to those. first question this week comes from OSU Bias, who asked us, we, we talked about this earlier, about the defense looking vulnerable from to quarterback runs from time to time. How much does that change with the return of, of Chase Young? any particular packages you'd expect to be relied on more heavily. Certainly, I think the return of Chase Young impacts everything on defense. I think everything gets better when you have Chase Young out there because he he can do so much from that defensive end position and... I think that probably was a factor in the quarterback run being a little more effective in this past game. I don't know that I I, I can't honestly say that I've broken down enough Penn State film to really get into scheme and what packages I think Ohio State's going to run. That would probably be a question more for Kyle Jones or someone like that who spends a little more time watching opponents film than i do but i do think that having chase young back can certainly help in regards to stopping those quarterback runs and and really just everything on defense because he's not just a pass rusher he also makes a huge impact against the run and when you have him out there it just makes it easier for everyone else to make plays too
1: yeah i think it's important to note that the quarterback run game is not going to win penn state this game I think the quarterback run game can can maybe pick up yards at times. I think can continue drives, but they're not going to win with the quarterback run game. So while I think that maybe maybe that's something they can take advantage of. Um, I don't think I don't think they run I don't think Sean Clever's running for 200 yards. I think you can get no. that I think you can get that out of your mind. I think it's I think it's just, I think it could be something to pick up yards at times and continue drives. I'm not sure how much Chase Young will necessarily impact that directly, but what I do think is he's going to impact everything else, and I think that, that 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 really matters because if Ohio State's going to lose, it's because there 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 are going to be certain other parts of the game that that Penn State will take advantage of, and just the way that the way that offenses just have to have to account for them have to account for Chase Young is just sort of remarkable. I mean, you saw I don't even remember the exact team earlier this year, but there was one moment where Chase got a sack, and then the other team just continued uh, to either run the other way of Chase or or roll out uh, the quarterback the other way. Um, Those are the kinds of things that he just forces other teams to do because if you drop back too many times, you're just going to get in a situation where Chase is either getting the pressure, um, they're they're not going to have enough guys out for routes because they're going to have to double team him he just he changes games in other ways so while i'm not sure that he's necessarily going to be a giant factor in single-handedly stopping this quarterback the, the quarterback run i think he's he makes up for it with with everything else
0: yeah, sean clifford is a decent runner but he's not justin fields he's not lamar jackson he's not michael yes. vick he's he he can make some plays with his feet but like colin said it's 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 not a huge concern for me coming into this game. Would I be surprised if he picks up a few first downs of his feet? No, but do I think that's something that's going to swing this game in Penn State's favor? No. OSU Bias also asked if the 19-point spread is a realistic expectation. It's higher than I thought it would be, but like we talked about before, I don't think either of us would be surprised if Ohio State won by free scores, and I, I think the reality is The one thing that sometimes I think even even we misrepresent in talking about it sometimes, but the reality is spreads are set because of a way that Vegas wants people to bet on games. So if they set the spread at 14 with the way Ohio State has played all year, most likely most people are going to be betting on the Buckeyes to cover. So I think 19 makes sense or 18 or whatever it is at now just because I, I think that entices people to bet on both sides of the line and I think I think Ohio State could cover I, I think there's definitely possible that Ohio State could cover I don't know that I would bet on it but I, I do think that I do think that it's an interesting line I think it's a line that makes you think about both sides and I think that's ultimately the goal in 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 setting a spread i mean
1: the spreads 19 ohio State hasn't won a game by 19 or fewer points they've won every single game by at least 24 so while it does seem a little bit high for a top 10 matchup like we said ryan day says this is a talent equated matchup it's not really ohio state has the advantage at most every single position um you talk about penn state's run defense think like ohio state has as probably an even better run defense and and definitely a better pass defense. You look at the other side of the ball, Ohio State has the has the advantage at quarterback and I think at, at most every other position. I think Ohio State is the better team in general. Um, of course as as we know <laughs> the better team doesn't always win, but but that to me is why the, the it's 19 points.
0: Line pilot 15 said he was trying to think of the last time a Big 10 game featuring Ohio State was this important said he'd probably have to go back to two thousand six as games go, this one is huge. What would be most important conference games you could think of? I don't know but I've given a lot of thought into I've got one.
1: Go for it. Um, the one that really came to my mind is is it's the it's probably the most intense game before the game um, that, that I can remember and, and, and during it too it was twenty sixteen Michigan. That's that what was, I was gonna that say. That was well. really a de facto uh, playing game for the playoff. It was Correct. two versus three it was a game that, that that came down to the spot, as we all remember, uh, Curtis Samuel's yep. remarkable run. Um, that that I think was, was right on this level, where it was this is a
0: playoff, this is a playing game to the playoff, and that was too.
1: And, and yeah, to be honest, I think that, that was bigger to be,
0: to be honest. I agree. I I agree, and I think what happens is, I think when the season doesn't end the way that people want it to the memories of those seasons tend to fade. So I think because Ohio State then went and laid an absolute egg against Clemson, I think that game hasn't quite held up the same way over time as some of the other memorable games in recent Ohio State history. But I think absolutely, I think at that time, that game was maybe even bigger than this one. And certainly, we're talking about the same kind of things not a big 10 championship game berth on the line of that one but there was a playoff berth for sure on the line of course it was a rivalry game a uh, very very intense game uh i know it was a very highly rated game watched on tv that was a huge game so i i would agree with that i think that is the one that jumps to mind for me this one is certainly huge but there's been some other big ones i think we both agree on that one. Bartholomew asks, any concern about the Buckeyes coming out slow after three consecutive bye weeks? A comment on Maryland and Rutgers there. No, not really, because we've seen Ohio State come out fast the last two games, whether they're bye weeks or not, and I I think that's going to be a big point of emphasis for the Buckeyes this week. I think Ryan Day made that clear but. They want to get out to a fast start. I think they're going to be talking to the team a lot this week about the way the last two games went and what can happen if they don't get out to a fast start. So I don't see that. I I, I think they're going to face some more resistance in this game because it's Penn State. So I do think I do think there's going to be some swings in this game. I, I don't think this is going to be one of those games where Ohio State just gets out to a big lead and just keeps rolling. I think at some point in this game there's going to be a swing that goes in Penn State's direction that that keeps this game close at least for a while but i i don't see this team sleepwalking out of a tunnel i think they're going to be ready for this one yeah it's it's
1: almost like that they had a bye week and then like two bye halves like i think that even the players knew that that they weren't going to play in the in the second half um at least the starters wouldn't um and but at the same time, the last two weeks, I think that they they really put it on put it on Maryland and Rutgers in the first half, and so no, I, I I'm not. I don't think there should be any concern about about that um,
0: as as terrible as Maryland and Rutgers are. Max Famos asks, why does our fan base care so much about what ESPN, Fox, or any other media outlet says about our team? I don't have an answer to that one. I'm just going to say that I'm glad you. I'm just going to say that I'm glad you guys care so much because if not, we wouldn't have a podcast, we wouldn't have jobs. So I'm glad that you guys care so much about what everyone has to say about Ohio State football. Uh, and we appreciate all of you who care enough about what we have to say to listen to us blabber on for an hour every week.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just what fans do. That's what every, every fan base thinks that everybody's against them. I don't know how. I don't it's know. Very it's very true. That's just, that's just a characteristic
0: of being a fan. Yeah, I mean I I grew up in Massachusetts and New England Patriots fans are constantly convinced that the world is out to get them and they've been the most successful team in professional sports for the last two decades. So it's that's the way it is everywhere. I covered Clemson and people down there think that ESPN's out to get them. So no matter no matter where you go, that's just the way it is. I it's certainly st- a strong sentiment in the Ohio State fan base but it really is that way everywhere most of the time I think it's illogical because uh, I can tell you that from a financial standpoint ESPN and Fox love the interest that o- Ohio State fans have in their team so there's no bias from those networks against Ohio State regardless of what people might think but like Colin said it's a pretty common viewpoint among fan bases all across the country thinking that the media at large is against their team yep k bonet asked over under on jonathan cooper making it back i don't really know because we don't get a lot of information about injuries so i don't really know what his status is at this point it certainly seems like he had a setback at some point because he had come back from his ankle surgery and now he hasn't played for a few games. I do think, based on what Ryan Day said on Tuesday, that he was certainly optimistic that the Buckeyes were going to have some injured players back this week and that they might have been overly cautious in holding some guys out against Rutgers. That I do think we're going to see most of the injured players back I don't know if Jonathan Cooper is one of them, but I think it's certainly possible that he will be. And I think it's going to be a very different process this week in terms of last week. I think anybody who is dealing with a minor injury, they held him out. Whereas this week, anybody who can play is going to play.
1: Yeah, I'll say that Jonathan Cooper is sort of the one guy who I'm not... Who, who I'm just least sure about whether he'll play or not, just because we haven't we haven't seen him uh, warm up or anything. Austin Mack, two games ago against Maryland. He warmed up before the game. He looked like he was going to play, and I was sort of surprised he didn't. Uh, Baron Browning, he didn't play last week, but he but he played a play in the in the week before. I there, there's part of me that that's fairly optimistic that, that he'll play. And then after the game, uh, Ryan Day said Dame Arnett's good. To, uh, he, he said he's good, uh, indicating that Dame Arnett will play. So. I, I feel more confident that that those three will play than Jonathan Cooper. I think I'm just I'm just not I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Coyote302 asks if 11 Warriors spokespeople will be making appearances at the pregame shows, broadcasting from Ohio State on Saturday morning. I can tell you that Colin and Zach and I will all be working because we typically. We typically get to the stadium three hours before the game, and we're doing stuff before the game. So I'm not personally going to be hanging out at the pregame shows. I'm guessing Colin's not going to be either. Can't speak for the rest of our staff if anyone will be out and about. But because of the timing with it being a noon game, it makes it difficult for us to really be around the pregame shows at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say, of course it wants me as his guest picker. I'm game. I'm there.
0: (laughs) I have not gotten that call yet. I don't believe Colin has either, but certainly. Um, Not not yet. That's that's the key word. that, That would be fun. Silver Sniper asked about, because LSU's defense appears to be a weakness compared to the other undefeated teams, if they all go undefeated do we think Ohio State or even Clemson could pass LSU due to their less than stellar defense? I don't think that would be a reason why Ohio State or Clemson would pass LSU in the rankings necessarily because I think they focus more on strength of schedule and strength of victory and and, and who you've beaten. So I think that's why LSU is number one right now. I think if LSU struggles down the stretch to... Beat teams if they should beat, and Ohio State and Clemson annihilate their competition. Then that's certainly a conversation we're going to have. But I don't know how much they look at it and say LSU's defense is weaker than Ohio State and Clemson, so that's why we'd move Ohio State and Clemson above them. I think it has more to do with your results and how impressively you're winning games. So. Like we talked about before, I think Ohio State definitely has a chance to move ahead of LSU because they have big games against Penn State and Michigan and a Big Ten championship game coming up. I think Clemson is probably going to stay at three if they all go undefeated just because they don't have resume boosters on their schedule. They're not going to play another ranked team, most likely. So I I think that most likely is going to keep Clemson behind LSU and Ohio State in the rankings just because their strength of schedule is going to be by far the weakest of the three
1: yeah but they went out Clemson staying at three um and it's going to be LSU or Ohio State there is um in, in the past it has seemed like the committee has has favored teams that are more balanced so I do think that that it is possible that that I, at least factors into some people's minds. At the same time, there are, of course, new committee members every year. There's new criteria. Uh, well, there isn't new official criteria, but there's new people with 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 different sort of opinions on how to rank teams that are in there. Um, so I think that, that that could play a little bit of a factor. It's just honestly, it's just impossible to know when you're outside of the room how much um, that's being talked about and that's actually being reason. It's actually being legitimately considered.
0: Glass City Buckeyes asked us about how Ohio State would attack the Penn State defense, given that they're ranked 4th against the run, 84th versus the pass. We talked about that a lot before, so not really going to get into that. Too much more. Like I said, think Ohio State will look to attack Penn State through the air because I do believe that is Penn State's weakness. At the same time, Ohio State has been balanced all year. Ohio State's run the ball well all year. Typically, when they go up against one of these top-ranked rushing defenses, they still have success. So, I think Ohio state's going to do what it thinks it can do best. And I, I think we are going to see them be aggressive in the past game, maybe more so than in some earlier games this year, but I still think they're going to run the ball. I still think they're going to look to get JK Dobbins going. And I think ultimately the more balanced Ohio state can be the better. Yep. Ohio state has been balanced
1: all year. I don't see that changing at all. Um, I, I think that I think that, uh, I think that the Penn State run defense versus Ohio State's run game is, is one of the very key matchups to this to this game. But, but if Ohio State's going to win, if Ohio State's offense is going to look like what we think it can look like through four quarters, which
0: we really haven't seen, um, it'll, it'll be because of the balance. Ginnon Juice asked us, what will be more effective for a Penn State offense on Saturday, the quarterback run or, as he called them there, arm punt 50-50 jump balls? um you know i think if i think put it penn that state, way yeah i i mean that's not a it's not a great endorsement there of sean clifford and the penn state passing game but i do think penn state could hit a couple big plays in the in the passing game i do believe this is the best passing offense ohio state has faced this year in terms of a quarterback who has the ability to drive a ball downfield and receivers who have the ability to make big plays downfield so my thinking is Penn State is gonna is gonna hit a big play at some point through the pass. Even though we haven't seen it happen much against Ohio this Ohio State defense this year, I, I think this is a bigger test. I, I think Penn State is going to hit a big play one or two times. I think the question is, and I think this is what Ginnon Juice is getting at, is is Penn State gonna have to be reliant on that? Because I think if Penn State has to be reliant on hitting big plays through the year, I don't think Penn State will win the game. I think I, I think this Ohio State defense is too good. This Ohio State defense is not last year's Penn State is not last year's Ohio State defense to where Penn State or any team can just make big plays and have that be the bread and butter of their offense. I think Penn State could hit one or two big plays against this defense, and if they can do that, they'll have a chance. But I don't think it can be the backbone of what you do offensively because I, I don't think this is an Ohio State defense that is vulnerable to just get beat by a big place time and time again.
1: Yep, I agree with that. Um, if I were to pick what are they what will be more more effective? I'll, I'll pick I'll pick the uh, quote unquote arm punt 5050 jump balls. Um, I, I, I just really I think that the quarterback run thing, um, I, that's just not something that they are going to be able to rely on over and over and over again, at least in my mind. and let me tell you if it is, then then,
0: then that could get a little interesting. Sonny Buck asks, who is responsible for scheduling games, especially Penn State and Michigan back-to-back? Do coaches have a say in this? No, they really don't. The Big Ten makes those decisions, so all, all of that's done by the league office. I'm sure Gene Smith and the administration are in communication, as well as the administrators from all the Big Ten schools in terms of setting those schedules, but ultimately that's out of a coach's hands. Ryan Day would tell you that they're just going to focus on what they could control they don't set the schedule so they're just going to play the games they have to play when they have to play them so not ideal for Ohio State to be in a situation where it's playing Penn State and Michigan in back-to-back weeks but that's really not a decision that Urban Meyer had any hand in or that Ryan Day will have much of a hand in going forward yep exactly it's always interesting
1: though to to see how it plays out like I'm just looking at quickly at (laughs) next year's schedule there is a there is a run where they play early in the season, Buffalo, Rutgers, and then have a bye week. Um, and then there's also a run where they play Iowa, and then at, at Michigan State, at Penn State, and then Nebraska. Um, like the like, it's just always it's it's interesting how they fall. Um, but no, there is there isn't really anything that Irvin
0: or, or Ryan Day could have done to to prevent that. Forty seven Hawk asks, "What is the biggest matchup advantage and disadvantage?" Ohio State will have against Penn State I have to go back to the passing offense against the passing defense for the biggest advantage because given that Penn State's defense has given up over 300 yards in each of its last two games and I think Ohio State has the best quarterback and the best receivers in the conference I I, I think that's going to be a tough matchup for Penn State if they haven't really figured something out, because just from what I've seen of them the last two weeks, they've they've just had some bad breakdowns on that side of the ball, and it's it's only going to get tougher for them this week. Disadvantage? It's hard to say because I don't I don't really think there is one major disadvantage. And by I the see. way, th- like that answer right there is exactly why they're a nineteen point favorite. It, right? It really is because there just isn't a. There just isn't a big weakness with this Ohio State team, and there isn't there isn't one thing. As I've looked at Penn State this week, I looked at it, and and I agree. When I at first I thought the number was big, and then I looked at it, and I and I thought on paper Ohio State really should win this game by three touchdowns because there isn't there isn't one area in which Penn State should have a major advantage. There 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 really isn't. I think there's certainly areas where they can compete you know I think their run defense can compete I think their their passing offense can can certainly compete but I don't think there is a big advantage that Penn State has Penn State is certainly going to be doing everything it can in film study this week to try to find an advantage and maybe they'll expose an advantage but on paper I just don't think there is one Yep, I agree with that. I think
1: your advantage is correct. I, I would also pick um, Ohio State's pass game against Penn State's pass defense. It is really hard to figure out something that it's that, it is, that it is clear that, that Penn State will have an edge on. Um, how is their punt game? Are they going to be able to force Ohio State's punt returners to fumble? <laughs> because that at this point, that's the only clear uh, area that Ohio State really doesn't have under control. Everything else, um, it's really hard to, to figure out an area in which... Penn State will have any kind of clear advantage. In fact, I just I just don't think they're going to have a clear advantage in any single area going into this
0: game. Blake Gilligan is a good punter for Penn State, but we talked about this last week with Rutgers. If the biggest advantage might be the punter, that's tough. That's not that's not a good sign. So Penn State is going to need to find an advantage other than their punter if they're going to have a chance to win this game. Azn Chipmunk asked. He said, without cheating, looking at prior snap counts, who will have more snaps by the end of the season, Brendan White or Demario McCall? Well, I'm not looking at prior snap counts, but I do know that Brendan White has played more than Demario McCall, and I'm very confident that that will remain the case, because Brendan White's actually played a little more the last couple weeks. They've actually been mixing him in with uh, with Pete Werner in the first team defense, and we'll see if that's the case this week when they're playing a better opponent in Penn State, but... It looks like maybe he's started to work his way into that first-team rotation there. Again, this week will be more of a test of app than Maryland and Rutgers will be, but I think he's at least going to see some snaps. Demario McCall, there's a chance he doesn't see any offensive snaps in, in big games the rest of the year, so I would definitely pick Brendan White to play more snaps by the end of the season. I don't know how many, but I think he will at least have a role on defense where he's getting in once in a while. For Demario McCall, I think snaps are going to be hard to come by at this point.
1: Yeah, if you had asked me this question in March, I would have had a, I would have looked at it and I thought would have thought that maybe it would be fairly difficult, but I, but I would have thought about it a completely different way. I would have thought that they'd be well right. into the hundreds. And in fact, I'm not exactly sure where they are, but, but I know they're not going to be hitting uh, 300 snap counts this year. Yes, the, the my yeah. answer would be. Yeah, I think important. White's.
0: A, I think White is over a hundred, but definitely not nearly the kind of snaps that we thought he was going to play this year. Yes. South Carolina Buckeye asked which program has the worst fans. I don't want to touch that one. Sorry. Let me, uh, let me think. <laughs> yeah,
1: Maryland. Maryland, definitely Maryland. Maryland football fans just don't exist. I remember going to a game. Um, I think it was the twenty. 20- it might have been 2016 Maryland game when it was just an absolute beatdown. Um, I remember going to, to College Park, and we were walking to the stadium. I If you had just been on campus, you wouldn't have even known there was a football game going on. But I just vividly remember this guy just in the middle of, middle of campus just had a bottle of, uh, I think it was, whew, I think it was like champagne. And he just, he like downed it threw it in the garbage, walked into the library, and I was like, all right, game day game game day, <laughs> uh, game day in College Park, I guess. And that is that is my memory of, of Maryland. And let me tell you, they, they, it was not a raucous fan base there. So I'll go with Maryland football
0: because those fans just don't exist. Rutgers, Rutgers fans did not have a great showing this past weekend either, though I can't say that I blame them with how poor things have gone there this year. No, I almost I respect I... them to just not show up. Yeah, there were, there were not many. There were a lot of empty seats in SHI Stadium this past weekend, but once again, hard, hard to blame them. Uh, I imagine the question might be more geared toward who are the worst fans in terms of vitriol and all that, but I'm not sure that's one that I want to get into right at this moment. South Carolina Buckeye also asked, how much of the offensive playbook do you think has been opened so far? We've seen crossing routes a few times the last couple of weeks, and some passing attempts downfield. Is this a precursor to a wide open game plan for the next three weeks? Well, I certainly think this is the time of year that anything you've been saving up now is when you're going to start to use them. So, I'm sure there are some things that we haven't seen. I think I think the the thing about this Ohio State team that we've seen all year, I don't think is going to change, is. It seems like they've had a new wrinkle every single week. Maybe not a ton of them against Rutgers just because it was Rutgers, but it seems like every game there's something different, there's something new they have up their sleeve. So I certainly don't think that's going to change against Penn State, against Michigan, and games like that. I think they certainly probably have some stuff that they haven't shown yet that they've been saving up for these games. At the same time, they've already shown a lot, but I think – I think that's a part of this team, is they're, they're game planning a little differently for every game, and they want to they want to bring something new to the table each week.
1: If we're talking about opening up the playbook, I'm actually not even thinking about the offense. I just wonder what the defense can look like, because it we haven't seen a ton of different defenses. I thought it was actually pretty interesting in the Maryland game when Chase Young was out. All of a sudden, they had some of these third down packages where they had Rashad Berry in there. They had... Uh, Defensive ends at defensive tackle. They had linebackers coming up the middle. They had linebackers coming off the edge. I thought it was really interesting the way that they attacked without Chase Young. And I thought it was interesting because we just really hadn't seen anything like that. Um, And I wonder... Even though, even with Chase Young back in a, in a tight game, if if it's close, whether they whether it's actually the defense that will be able to show more looks uh, on defense, we just we haven't seen a ton. Um, I think that that is more likely than the offense just 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 opening up something that
0: we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I think the offense kind of has has more of an identity than the defense does, and. I, I think the defense, the defense is at times, it's it's kind of reminded me of watching a Bill Belichick defense of the Patriots in terms of every week there's a new wrinkle. They don't, they're not set in doing one specific thing every week. They kind of bring something new to the table each week, and I think certainly against Penn State, against Michigan, that's certainly something they're going to try to do. I will say, though, I actually don't think there has been
1: that much new stuff that they've just brought every single week. I think a lot of it is, is pretty similar, same uh, so, some of the same coverages, some of the same defensive fronts. Um, I do wonder if whether it be more two-safety looks, whether it be um, – I honestly don't know because we just haven't seen it, and and we had heard about throughout the off season about all these um, these different formations and, and these different coverages that that they that they put put in in the summer, um, in the spring, and we haven't seen a ton of complicated looks thus far, and I don't know whether this is the game where, where we get that, whether, and I think a lot of it's matchup dependent, um, but but I will I will keep my eyes out for that, especially since Penn State has a really solid uh, tight end that they can go through. Go to through the air. I think that that maybe
0: forces Ohio State to do a little bit different. And I think the thing they have to balance is mixing in too many new things with deviating too far from what's worked. Because there was so much talk all off season about simplifying this defense and everybody playing fast, and we've seen that, and it's and it's worked. So. I think there's a fine line that the coaches have to walk in terms of bringing out some new looks, doing some different things that might work well against specific opponents, but at the same time, keeping keeping with what's worked, not making such drastic changes that you could potentially take guys out of a comfort zone, take guys away from this confidence they've clearly built up all year. So, I I think the fundamentals the things that have worked all year are still going to be the keys for this defense going forward but i do think we'll probably see some some different looks them trying some different things things they've probably been practicing for weeks and can now unleash in bigger games yep i agree with that it'll
1: it'll, it'll be it'll be it should be a fun game. I've said that like three times, and then there's just been blowouts, which are fun for Ohio State fans. But <laughs> at some point, I would love to see a game
0: that goes into the fourth quarter that that <laughs> that uh, gets competitive. I would too, because it, it it would be interesting. It would be interesting to see. It's been a lot of easy game recaps to write this year. There's been a lot of games decided at halftime. Yeah, you but probably don't mind that. No, I, I don't, but I agree <laughs> with you at the same time that it would it, be interesting to see this team, as we talked about, we still haven't seen this team have to respond to having their backs up against the wall in the fourth quarter of the game on the line. I think we'll see it at some point this year. I don't know if it'll be this week. I think we'll see it at some point. It might not be until the college football playoff, but I think we'll see it at some point. I think there's certainly more potential for it to be this week. And that's what makes this week so interesting. So we're running out of time. So we thank you all for listening in to another lengthy episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. Big game coming up this week. Ohio State, Penn State, Noon, Fox, all the pregame shows there. We'll be at Ohio Stadium bright and early for full coverage on 11warriors.com. Another huge game coming up next week against Michigan. So we are going to have no shortage of topics to talk about. And we'll be back again for another episode next week. So thanks, everyone, for listening, listening in. Enjoy the game. It should be a good one. And we'll talk to you again next week.